Good morning, everyone, and turn in your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 14. I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 12, but really the focus of today is going to be on verses 7 to 12. John chapter 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or else believe on account of the works themselves. John 14 here gives us words of comfort, and especially uh, for the troubled disciples there and for us now. Many of you can probably recite portions of this passage from memory because it's so comforting. It's such a blessing to you. It's a comfort because Jesus is going to pre uh, prepare a place for us in heaven where we will be with him forever. In verse 5 you see, Thomas asks a question. Where are you going, Jesus, and how can we get there? Jesus responds that the only way to the Father is through himself, through Jesus. Not through Confucius, not through Buddha, not through the Dalai Lama, not through um, Hare Krishna, only through Jesus. The truth of God is revealed through Jesus alone. How's that? Can everybody hear? Okay. Thank you, Denise. <laughs> the truth of God is revealed to us through Christ. Jesus' life comes from the Father. And we have everlasting life through the Father. So if you know Jesus, you know God the Father also. And Philip, hearing the word Father makes the following request of Jesus. Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Have you ever said the wrong thing? Philip here kind of says the wrong thing. Sometimes you wish, you know, maybe if you're upset, that you say words, you can just grab them out of the air and pull them back. But they're already out. You hope people didn't hear it, you're embarrassed, and you start trying to think, how can I dig myself out of this hole without digging the hole deeper? Thankfully though, 
John included Philip's conversation with Jesus here in this passage so that we can learn from Jesus' reply to Philip. And in reality, aren't we all in kind of the same position as Philip? Don't at times when we're facing trouble seek to seek seek to have a sign from the Father so we can have assurance of getting through difficult circumstances so things turn out in a way that will uh, meet our expectations to show us that God is still in control. Perhaps Philip was thinking back to the experience Moses had, you remember on Mount Sinai when he said, Lord, show me your glory. And remember what God said in Exodus 33, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And so what happens is God shows Moses only his back, and he says, my face shall not be seen. To get some context as to why Philip and the disciples are so troubled, as Jesus said in verse 1, we need to think back just a few pages, and really just a few days before, in John 12, to the triumphal entry. In verse 13, it talks about what the people were saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord even the king of Israel. And you see there, Jesus is riding in on a donkey, and the people are meeting with him, him with palm branches. And these are significant because they, it's like a royal procession. The disciples are expecting a coronation. They're expecting Jesus to be crowned king. He's the Messiah that is going to rescue the people of Israel from the Romans. For the disciples, this would have been a celebration. They would have been on an emotional high. And even perhaps they wondered, what positions are we going to hold in Jesus' kingdom? Not long after the triumphal entry, though, things really began to change for the disciples. In John 12, 27, Jesus declares, My soul is troubled. The hour of his death was approaching, and Jesus prays aloud to God the Father and says, Father, glorify your name. Jesus states that his soul is troubled. We see Jesus as God in the flesh. We see his humanity. Jesus is facing an inner turmoil. He was distressed in his spirit. Why? He was going to face the cruelty of the cross. He was going to face separation from the God, the Father, and he was going to face the weight of our sins upon him. Yet we know that Jesus was without sin and that he constantly rested in the care of his Father and he prayed for strength and comfort to endure his Father's will and for Jesus to be obedient. How many times in the Gospels do we hear of Jesus speaking aloud in the Gospels? You know, at John the Baptist, God spoke when he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. At Jesus' transfiguration, Peter, James, and John were there, and God spoke audibly. And I often forget about the occasion, though, here in John 12, in verse 28. And it's the only place in the scripture, in the Gospels, that mentions this audible reply from God. And God replies, I have glorified it and will glorify it again, speaking of Jesus' prayer that he had. The crowd said that the voice thundered. You know, when we're facing trials in our lives, would it make a difference for us if we heard God's audible voice? 
would this be enough for us to endure our trial? It was so loud that it thundered. Other witnesses were there and they heard the same words also. There was no possible mistake that that voice came from God. Would this be enough to bolster our faith and carry us through our trial? Here in John, the voice of God was not enough for the disciples. The disciples still responded poorly to Jesus' arrest and crucifixion. In John 12:32, Jesus further states that he's going to be lifted up, showing what kind of death he's going to face. The crowd questioned this. We read that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? What a drastic change from the celebration of the triumphal entry. Now Jesus says he will die on the cross, that he'll be lifted up. Such an unsettling change of fortune for the disciples. And then as we move over to John chapter 13, we see the upper room where they celebrate the Passover together. Jesus washes the disciples' feet. In Jesus' mind, that is not, or in the disciples' mind, that is not the behavior of a king. The disciples are expecting something else. And Jesus says, no, you need to become his servants and you need to be humble. Once again, in John 13, 21, Jesus says again, he's troubled in his spirit. Once again, he shows his humanity and he informs the disciples that he's about to be betrayed by one of the twelve. Jesus deeply loved the disciples and deeply loved Judas Iscariot. <coughs> Excuse me, but Judas had rejected Jesus. Judas leaves the room after Satan enters into him. So one of the disciples is gone. Later in the upper room, Peter says, You know, I'm going to lay down my life for you, Jesus. And what's Jesus' reply? No, Peter, before morning, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. This is the context where we start John chapter 14, and Jesus tells the 11 disciples that he's going to the Father. <coughs> Excuse me. So even though Philip had just heard the voice of God less than a week before, he says, Lord, show us the Father and is enough for us. It's a polite enough response from Philip. He calls Jesus Lord. There's no malice there like the Pharisees and the Jewish leaders had. What Philip seems to be saying is that, you know, we're going to be okay, Jesus We'll be able to overcome your death. We'll be able to uh, face all the trouble afterwards, but only if you show us God the Father. Then we can believe your promise about the mansions you're preparing for us. We can believe you about um, in heaven where we're going to meet you. And look at Jesus' response. I think there's disappointment in his words. Here we find the patience of our Lord when he says in verse 14, How... Have I been with you so long, and you still not, do not know me, Philip? How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? Jesus has reminded Philip that they've been together for three years, and asks Philip to remember what he's been taught and what he's been seeing. F 
Philip, don't you know that I'm God come in the flesh? Philip, don't you believe who I say that I am? Philip, don't you trust my words? The Lord knows that the disciples are having trouble coping. That's why later here in John chapter 14, he promises the Holy Spirit as a helper and a comforter. And what does the writer of Hebrews say in chapter 4? He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was troubled in his spirit, just as the disciples were troubled, but Jesus was without sin. And you know, Jesus did not ridicule or demean the disciples. His response was perfect for the situation. It is firm, but gentle and loving. In this tender moment, he even calls Philip by name. And even this week as I was preparing this, I was convicted because I substituted my name for Philip. And you think of it, um, uh, if you were to uh, substitute your own name there when it says, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Ron? And we can substitute our own names in there. In his response to Philip, Jesus once again is affirming who he is. The 11 remaining disciples belong to Jesus, but they don't completely understand his deity. The disciples do not understand how the words of Christ would help them live out their lives. Jesus reminds them, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. The deity of Christ is a wonderful mystery that Jesus Christ is God. And the Gospel of John frequently uses terminology like this, calling Jesus the Son of God, or Jesus referring to God as the Father. Jesus is equal to God in unity, because there's only one God, but the Son of God is a distinct person. The deity of Christ is in fact the theme of the Gospel in John. There's verses like bookends towards at the start of John and towards the end of John. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And towards the end, John 20.31, but these words are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You know, it's interesting, even if the disciples were struggling with this, the Jewish leaders got it. They rejected it, but they got it. How many times did they pick up stones? Jesus forgave the lame man that was lowered through the roof. He forgave him his sins. The Pharisees knew what that meant, that Jesus was uh, saying that he was God. When Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. The Pharisees knew what that meant. And when later Jesus says, the Father and I are one, each one of those times the Jewish leaders sought to stone Jesus. But Jesus has been focusing on his deity through his teaching, especially with his disciples, because it's so very important. It's important because it explains Jesus' atonement for our sins. Romans 8 verse 3 says, For the, what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Sinful man cannot meet the demands of the law and satisfy a holy and a righteous God. 
Man can't save himself. Only God can do this. Jesus is God in human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. This is why Jesus was born of a virgin and not through the seed of fallen man. He lived a perfect life. Jesus is our perfect substitute, the lamb without spot or blemish. He fully paid the price for our sins, shedding his blood on the cross. Through repentance and faith in Christ alone, we have the forgiveness of sins. There are other verses in the New Testament that help us see the deity of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Colossians 1.15, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Colossians 2.9, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Therefore, Jesus can rightly say, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. What did Jesus mean when he said, I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? It means that Jesus' thoughts are the thoughts of the Father. Jesus' words are the words of the Father. Jesus' works or miracles are the works of the Father. And Jesus' will is the will of the Father. They cannot be separated. And the exact opposite is true also. The words, the works, and the will of the Father are the same as the Son. So Jesus speaks on the authority of the Father who dwells in him. In verse 11, Jesus is now talking to all 11 disciples when he says, Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. I'm sure all the works that Jesus did suddenly came flooding into the memories of the disciples there. I think of a few. I think of Jesus walking on the water. I think of him calming the sea. I think of the feeding of the 5,000. I think of the resurrection of Lazarus. And even um, this same evening, Jesus replacing the ear on Malchus after Simon cuts it off. Such amazing miracles. Remember how Jesus answered John the Baptist when he asked, Are you the one to come, or is there another? Jesus answered, Tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have good news preached to them. This is exactly the first-hand experience that the disciples had. The disciples had not only witnessed Jesus' power, they also had an opportunity as part of their training to be sent out by Jesus on their own. The disciples had a missionary opportunity to proclaim the kingdom of God at hand, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to cast out demons. They had seen Jesus' power within them. So in this passage, Jesus responds to Philip with two thoughts. The first is to know me, and the other key thought is to believe me. The context of this reply focusing on who Jesus is. You know there's some who reject the whole notion of Jesus. They reject the idea of there even being a God. Others may 
believe God, but they don't believe in supernatural, in the works, in the power of God, the omnipotence. And many religions get this wrong, or denominations. The Muslims get this wrong. The Jehovah Witnesses get this wrong. They don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. Anyone that does not believe that Jesus Christ is God is denying the God of the Bible. However, you may be part, and I'm a part, of another group that we've heard Jesus' words preached. We've read them in the Bible. We've read about Jesus' works, about his miracles. But sometimes we fail to know Jesus and believe Jesus as fully as we should as we live out our lives. As we look at the interaction between Jesus and Philip, we need to decide. Where did the disciples go wrong? After all, they heard all of Christ's words and witnessed all of his works. We know that the disciples in the book of Acts were greatly changed. They were spreading the gospel successfully. The good news was going out to the world. But how did this happen? The disciples had learned some hard lessons about faith. They had an initial faith, a faith in Jesus as the Messiah, but their faith could not withstand the prospect of Christ's death. Their faith was weak, and they, were, uh, and they looked to bolster the, by faith for asking for a sign. They wanted to see God. The disciples had another problem. Incorrect expectations. They were hearing Jesus' words, seeing Jesus' works, and translating them to fit their idea of the Romans um, being defeated and Jesus immediately setting up his kingdom. When Jesus announced his pending death on the cross, fear overcame the disciples and their faith wavered. But there were two amazing events that happened that gave the disciples the boldness to obey the Great Commission. The first event was the resurrection of Christ. Remember the words of Thomas, as he placed his hands in Jesus' hands and side. He proclaimed Jesus' deity when he said, My Lord and my God. Peter, in his first sermon after Pentecost, speaks of the deity of Christ. The second event that helped the disciples along was the Holy Spirit. Just as Jesus had promised in the upper room and Jesus promised when he ascended into heaven, they received power from the Holy Spirit, and the disciples were changed men. The Holy Spirit gave them the remembrance of the words of Christ. He told them what words to say. They understood suddenly how the Old Testament symbols and prophecies fit into Jesus' life, death and resurrection. They preached the, God, uh, the gospel with boldness, even through persecution. The disciples became men of prayer seeking their strength from God, following the example of their Lord. Let's look at John 14, 12. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works will these, uh, than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now this does not mean that suddenly the disciples were going to have omnipotent power to do works just like Jesus. This is really a missionary verse. After the resurrection and ascension of Jesus to the Father, the Holy Spirit came and filled them. 
The greater works that Jesus describes here refers to the disciples receiving power and boldness to spread the gospel throughout the world. We also receive power from the filling of the Holy Spirit when we're saved, when we believe by faith. We have been called to spread the gospel. We're living in unprecedented times, aren't we? We've often been given inconsistent information, promises have not been kept, we doubt that our best interests are being taken care of at times, our trust has been shattered, our quality of life these last few years has been far below our expectations. But God is still in control. We are reminded today that we're not to trust in a fallen world. Only Christ is trustworthy. This passage in John 14 is intended to comfort us, to help us understand Christ's love for us as we live out our faith. Jesus exhorts Philip and the disciples, Jesus exhorts us, know him, believe in him. Jesus told Philip he did not need to see another sign to believe that he was God. Although we're not in Judea with the disciples to witness Jesus' words and works, we have them available to us through the scripture. We have witnessed the works of Christ in our salvation and in the salvation of others. We witness the works of Christ daily in our lives as we serve him. And so uh, my thought is that this would be our prayer today, that we would follow the example of Christ in scripture and pray for strength when our souls are troubled ask God to be glorified as his will is done. Pray that the Holy Spirit would remove our wrong expectations, that we would seek to be taught with an open mind and heart. Pray that as we remember the words and works of Christ, that we would be changed into his likeness as we know him more fully. Pray that the Holy Spirit would remove any fear that we have and that we would have boldness to tell others the gospel of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is God come in the flesh. Tell about his words. Tell about his works. Tell your story about how you came to know Jesus. Tell how he has worked in your life. Invite them to know and to believe in Jesus. Let's pray, shall we? Our Lord and our God, we thank you for this portion of scripture today where Jesus talks to Philip. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be opened, that we would know Jesus and believe Jesus through our troubles. Lord, we pray for boldness from the Holy Spirit, that we would be able to tell others the words and the works of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the doctrine of the deity of Christ, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so, Lord, let the gospel be on our thoughts and minds and as we speak to others throughout the community. And we would pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.